Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I'm Bradley and I know he's been sitting there all week wondering what on earth I'm going to come up with for an introduction this week. I haven't got one. How are you doing, Stu? I'm not too bad. Yeah, no, I haven't left this room. I was just thinking of little counterpoints I could make when you said clever stuff, but clearly you're not clever this week. So, you know, yeah, hooray. I couldn't think of a single thing, Um, (laughs) which is stupid because earlier in the week, I had already in my mind loads of different film-based intros that I could do, and I was going to do a whole thing about it, and then I forgot what they were. Oh, yeah. One thing I don't forget doing, though, is playing video games because I like a segue. So we're going to segue into games and I'm going to say segue one more time. What have you been playing, Stu? Well, this week I've been playing a couple of very different games from one another. And the first one was the demo of Renane. I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced because the word doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It's It's the demo of the... Metroidvania style game, which is done out in Spectrum style graphics, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of you know you just trundle around, meeting villagers, going you know going down wells and traversing through mines and all that normal caper, and you know slashing at things with your sword, and it's yeah, it's it's a Metroidvania. Uh, it's got a nice sense of humour to it. It's like self referential. That's something that we talked about with that unmetal the other week, you know, that it, it can be a bit heavy sometimes, but that's okay. And it's it's all right. It's not too bad. It's strange because everyone I've seen go on about it has been going on as if it's like the greatest thing since, you know, sliced Kojima. But it's uh it's just okay. It's it's fun. But not nothing special that I'm seeing unless I'm totally missing the point. Um I don't know. I've not I've not I've heard of it, but I've not really sort of paid any attention to it. I think just because there's been so many demos and announcements in regards to like the uh, the Steam demo next fest or whatever they called it. So, um, yeah, looking at it now, it looks interesting, looks up my street. But I, until I play it, I'm not going to have a Scooby as to how good or not it is. That seems yeah. to be almost for you, though, too, sort of maybe misfires on the Steam demos. Yeah, I'm starting to think it's just me being a complete clown and everyone else has got it right and I've got it wrong. There are some really good bits in it. Like, um, the thing that two things that stand out. One, it's quite similar to the Wonder Boy games when they started to become semi-kind of Zelda-esque, you know? Mm. they got a very particular flavour to them that isn't like Zelda. Zelda in 2D, the 2D Zeldas are a kind of close comparison that we can kind of pick out, but it's not, they're not really like that. They're kind of, you know, they're Sega at their sort of strange strange end of the 80s kind of thing, where yeah, yeah. they were just doing weird, kind of weird stuff, genre blending, just to see what will work after they, you know, after the arcade stuff peaked and the home consoles started coming in. And they've, really kind of genuinely not had a kind of oh yeah we're going to steal that concept just because they it kind of fell between two stools really and then you know when metroid came along it kind of went oh yeah no that's the template for this sort of thing but there are some really good stuff so you can you get like slots that you can allocate uh, abilities to and you get the abilities when you perform uh, tasks like you would in an rpg so fetch quests and the like or defeat X number of enemies, and it just adds a little bit of a layer to it. It's not a very heavy layer of RPG-ness at all. It's just, you know, just kind of a very thin layer of it. And, um, yeah, other than that, you're kind of bouncing around off enemies' heads with your sword and all the usual. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of I see why people like it. I think there's a mix of nostalgia and there's a mix of the funny dialogue in it. Um, but it kind of takes a little bit more than that to win me over, and I think it's, that's yeah... Not a misfire, but it's just not quite for me, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that maybe the Metroidvanias have hit their peak and it's all the same now, but there's been so many innovations with Metroidvanias. It's very hard for something to be innovative. So, I mean, I know that I now look for in certain genres, as long as it's a good game, 
that's enough for me. I don't need spectacular. I don't need reinventing the wheel. Um, so if it's just another good game in the genre, that that suits me down to the ground. And to be honest, looking at it, it looks like it's just a solid entry in the genre. So one I'll definitely be interested in giving a go myself. Yeah, no, I'd be interested to see what you say of it. I think the thing that I want most from <clears throat> that kind of game, and obviously Renane has got to prove to me you know, when it's in its final release, is I like it when you get more and more powerful weapons, but they're not just like incrementally more powerful. They kind of, you get like a, a wallop of something being really powerful. Yeah. And then you get like enemies that kind of match that and you it's, you know, back, that kind of back and forth because they're just getting tougher and tougher. But then when you go back to previous areas and you're fighting stuff that was a challenge in the past, you're absolutely creaming them. And that's great. You know, that that balance of power is really, for me, like one of the things that really stands out. And uh, hopefully that will be in it. Yeah, you, it's hard to get that gauge that from a demo, I suppose. So, oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, I mean, with it being only finding that out later on the proof is literally in the pudding i suppose with that one yeah and once it, it you know if it has got that and does it well then it'll swing me and i'll just buy it anyway so yeah, yeah. also not literally figuratively in the pudding i know it's not literally just in case there's any pedants listening ah, i did wonder what you mean but i wasn't going to say anything <laughs> yes I thought, again thought it was probably me being uh, a little bit on the stupid side no no i used literally incorrectly and as soon as i said it i went ah <laughs> so but no interesting I'm, 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 I'm gonna see if i can boot up the demo on that one at the weekend maybe and see how it goes yeah go for it so i've been playing a few different games and all, all three of them are very very different that i've been playing and the first one i'm gonna touch on is following a bit of a theme over the past few weeks so i played and spoke about elba a wildlife adventure and umarangi generation 2 photography games yeah and i played last week or this week last week i played beasts of maravia island um which sounds like it should be something that's um i don't know almost platformy or like lots of danger and stuff like that but what you've got here is essentially a photography and journaling game um and the premise is Basically, you are sent to this island um, from a relative who tells you about it. And they go, oh, I need you to get, um, there's these wonderful like creatures on this island and things like that. And I need you to get um, records of them. So here's a camera, off you go. And what you've got here is basically something that's almost like, I would say more in depth with the photography than Alba was. And, but more freedom than what you get with Pokemon Snap. Okay. You've got all these weird and wonderful made-up creatures, but sort of, um, again, probably born from real-life inspiration. Um, so there's these like fly creatures that look like butterflies, but they've got sort of like these magical lights on them and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, you basically your job is to go around taking photos, moving around the island. There's some very, like, puzzling in there as well. Um, and what's really interesting, I was kind of expecting some maybe light peril in there i'm absolutely numb you go to this strange island you take photos of these creatures huge range of them by the way and some amazing fauna and flora around this island it's just ah oh, it's beautiful to be on and it's loads of variation as well depending on where you go um no violence no danger anything like it. just a really calming experience that is just you can just take your time there's no time limits or anything like that some very very light puzzling to maybe get to some new areas or find some creatures of certain types and you don't even really get graded as such with what you take um obviously you've got to get some of everything that's there and that that's the main task but you don't go oh this is a rubbish picture or or anything like that and yeah absolutely beautiful wonderfully calming and i've played three different photography games of late and all very different from each other and this is just another exceptional example of taking 
a genre that I don't think has really been used that much before and doing something new with it already. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Oh, so that genre is having a bit of a mini renaissance at the moment then. Mm, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, even the recent Pokemon Snap re-release shows that there's something there. And I think the technology's there to allow you to do it now because technically most AAA games at least have a photo mode in them. So they've got all the camera um, effects going and they can really make sort of like make, get you some really good photos out of it. So it's good to see now indie developers, especially doing something with those mechanics and turning them into a game. Uh, but making them interesting as well. Get putting stories behind them. Um, the gameplay mechanic is literally wandering around, a bit of traversal and platforming here and there. Wonderful realized 3D world. Um, and yeah, you're taking the photos is the mechanic, but there's a deeper story there. And it's it's um, what's really interesting. This is where it goes really deep. The the natural order of things within the game is real. So, like, the plants feed the bugs and the bugs feed something else and um, they end up feeding bigger animals and stuff like that. Nothing sort of like, oh, you can see it all happening. But you can see the, like, the, the, the circle of life happening, you know, the, the, the main chain happening as you go around. But it doesn't say, oh, this is the point. But it's showing you there's, like, this underlying message of how important nature is and how delicate the balance is without shoving it in your face at the same time. And, yeah, just... A wonderful bit of background storytelling. And I, yeah, I can't recommend this one enough. I know you can get it on PC, and I believe you can also get it on Switch. But I've played it on PC and absolutely fell in love with it. Cool. Yeah. Like one thing, <laughs> one thing that leapt out at me when you were talking about that is not just about the game itself, which does sound really good, but how much bias that we've got towards like PC <laughs> and Switch at the moment. People must be like. Do they do they know that the PlayStation exists? Do they do they know that there's an Xbox? Um, well, I yeah. don't think Sony know there's a PlayStation Five, so <laughs> you know, very true, very true. And, and it goes. It's a tough one. I mean, we'll talk about this another day, actually. But nothing on the PlayStation. I look at and go, yeah, I've got to play that. That Sony games are now. You know, they, they've gone the realm of Ubisoft, where you know what a Sony game is, and that's not me. I can't mm. bothered with it. Microsoft play plenty of Microsoft stuff, but it's all old. I'm playing catch up with a lot of it, or I'm, pl- or I'm playing it via Game Pass on the Xbox, but I've already been given code on the PC or or Switch. Uh, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the PC, the PC uh, realm at the moment with indie games, the Switch with indie games, it's for me, they are just like godlike systems at the moment. Yeah, and for me, I've got, uh, game Pass on the PC, so I get to play all the the Microsoft stuff there. And there's nothing on the PS5 that I want at the moment, so yeah, not bothered. That said, Game Pass, there's been nothing on there that I've wanted for quite a while, and I was even toying with cancelling my subscription or you know halting it for a while. Mm. But um, you know, with with the new slate of games coming out and with Halo Infinite and all that, uh, I think I shall hold on to it because <laughs> I'll be getting a lot of use out of it soon. Yeah. Um, I think with me, now they've got the streaming stuff in. I'm now waiting for them to either introduce the streaming app to the Xbox One um, so you can stream everything to that, or the dongle. We'll obviously plug into HDMI uh, because I think that's the next one for me. I've got PC for most games. I'm happy to stream the other stuff. Son's got an Xbox series in his bedroom. So, yeah, I'm just waiting to see the that come to fruition. But I've got so many other games to keep me tidying over. I'm not in a rush. Yeah, right there with you. Although I do keep buying them. And one of them that I did buy, which I, you know, segue, that I did buy this week was a game called Project Wingman, <gasps> which is, yeah, which is a PC game. Uh, it's a VR game. I think you can play it without it. I'm not entirely you can sure. because that's been on my wish list for quite some time. Ah, right. Yeah. So, yes, it's an Ace Combat style game where you are uh, basically a fighter pilot and you're engaging in conflicts and um, establishing aerial superiority and all that good stuff. And yeah, yeah, it's really good. I haven't had a chance to play it massively, but what I have played of it is very cool. So, it kind of matches, I would say the experience of the VR segments in Ace Combat 7, but 
Of course, there were only about three missions, I think, with uh, in VR. It was just a side sort of tacked on kind of thing yeah. for for that. Uh, well, whereas the full game is in this, it only looks like a sort of PS3 game kind of thing. It's not very pretty, but that doesn't matter a great deal. The, the important thing is the physics and and being able to see because semi sims and sims benefit so much from VR, and yeah, it totally has that. So. You know, just that thing of being able to uh, get into a dogfight and when they escape you know, from you, you're piloting one way, but you're also l- physically looking round through the canopy of the of the jet. So you're yeah. trying to track them. And it it's not a gimmick at all. It's like part of the play completely. So, yeah, they're really good and looking forward to playing even more of it. So this might surprise you. But I wasn't ever an actual fighter jet pilot. I didn't really? star in no. I, I didn't star in the movie Top Gun, mm. so I can't compare this to real life. But does it actually feel like you're in a cockpit in VR in this? Because I think that it always feels like that. If you're saying to me VR, what sort of games? I go racing games and fighter jets. That that's what VR's made for. Yeah, no, it really works very very well because. It has the basically you can see the control panel in front of you. Um, you can't abstract, you can't get rid of it. It's permanently there. So yeah. you've got that kind of, you know, it's very, very concentrated at the front, uh, and you don't, ha- ironically, don't have a great view out of the very front of your fighter. And yeah. You have to get things into a tiny square to be able to line them up. But then, of course, you have all of the sides and the top, which are completely clear and you can see around. So it's actually more like being in that situation than even Ace Combat, really, which has a further viewpoint away from the controls. And also you can just choose a view that doesn't show them at all. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it forces you down that road, which is good. So it, it's got a real kind of sense of realism to it. So the VR games I played most when i had the psvr and i hooked it up to the pc as well was uh wipeout yes <laughs> dirt rally and some project cars um and with wipeout obviously i wasn't getting actual g-force hitting me or anything like that but when you done certain turns my brain tricked me into sort of like flinching in certain ways as i was almost yeah. being hit by do you get that sense when you're doing that like your brain at times tricks you that you're being hit by certain uh forces yes yes it does yeah completely yeah Th- that disconnect between when you're pl- plummeting down and looking upwards uh yeah. it- it is really you know it's really clever it really, you really do get that sensation, yeah. and I think it would be exacerbated by rumble. But uh, I had problems with rumble with the pad. Long story, but um, yeah, no, it's kind of there. There's more that you could do, and I think the game could be polished even more in that, that direction if it was made by a bigger studio. Uh, but yeah, no, for for what it is, I mean, it cost me eight ninety nine. It was ridiculously cheap. It's it's such good value for money. Um, and yes, you do get those sorts of sensations with it as well. So VR units, I know they're coming down in price and now we're getting the uh, wireless or the single wire jobs. Kids go back to school. Well, I have both kids in school soon. I'm very tempted in a in a year or so maybe to try again. And yeah. Try some of these VR games, especially the fun flying ones. Yeah. And hopefully fully modded flight simulator and stuff like that. I, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the stuff that sells it. I don't care about like I, I know things like Beat Saber are good and everything, but they don't. I, I look at those sort of VR games and just go disconnected hands waving around. It's like no, and just dancing like moving around the living. No, not for me. But uh, something that puts you in a cockpit or just makes you like first person and you can kind of see around that that does it. I, I say the only other example I got was resident evil 7 when you're sort of like walking through sort of like a slightly wooded area and you go under a fence and there's trees and i kind of put my hand up to kind of move the tree branches out the way and obviously they weren't there in in real life but they felt there yeah Uh, that 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 for me is what it's all about i'm hoping we get more of those sorts of games soon where it's just adding to that experience rather than trying to be its own thing yeah yeah well i mean it's it's in a funny situation at the moment because the only growth 
in VR really is, is around the Quest. And because that's a lower powered device, it's not really pushing things. And, you know, it, it felt like, not that it peaked with Half-Life Alex, but Half-Life Alex was certainly the sort of distillation of all the more sophisticated things yeah. th- that aren't either, you know, a- an abstract game or a sim experience. You know, it was its, its own thing kind of thing. And it's veered very sharply away from that because nobody wants to be tethered to stuff. So it's really strange. I think VR is just going to stay as a, as a complete niche for a long time, really, until it, it gets smaller and lighter and yeah. all that and more powerful. But yeah, then we'll just have to see. But hopefully they'll build more of those experiences for you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would say, I, when I say more of that i don't because i know a lot of people like those specific vr experiences and keep those going but i know to sell me it's got to be more than that so i i personally don't like those but i love being in racing cars and fly flying sims and even sort of like a train simulator and stuff like that almost those where, where you are in a fixed sat or stood position and you could just look around it that that's that's oh, that's where it's at that's where it's at but yeah I can't afford a VR unit. Stop selling me VR units, Joe. I know. It's, I always lead you down the garden path for this sort of stuff. <laughs> I know. I got rid of mine because I, did, I couldn't. I, did, I didn't have the time to have it set up, or you know, I couldn't play it and then realise my daughter had like burnt the flap down around me or something like that. So, oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Life is cruel. Mm. So you've been playing super fast-paced VR action flying games. I've been playing. 2d indie games um, and <laughs> one of the publisher darlings of indie is team 17 and i've got a code for super magbot on the switch and this is an interesting game a really interesting game which i i suck at <laughs> but i can see this being fairly popular for sort of like leaderboard freaks we'll call them i'm one of those i love leaderboards but it's basically the premise is you're this little robot type thingy and you've got to get your way from the start of a level to the end of the level. Um, but you can't jump. It's a platformer where you can't jump. But what you do have are these two, let's say they're magnets. Uh, well, they are. They are. They're magnets. Um, hence the name Super Magbot. And what you have to do as you go over like a red panel or a red thing, you have to press the corresponding trigger to sort of like use that to leap in a certain direction. Or if there's a blue one, you have to press the other button to then leap. And you bounce off the walls, off the floor, the ceiling. You go through certain gates of certain colours. And basically you do that to get around the level and you get there as quick as possible. It's actually really easy to understand. Takes a little while to get used to for sure but most levels early on this is where i kind of lose it a bit towards them most levels at the end are like these single screen quick fast paced go 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 and then the further you go the more complex they get and the further they get and there's boss levels and stuff like that and i'm not as keen on the longer levels the early stuff where it's really tight just feels like speed run a leaderboard challenge goodness just oh they've captured that perfectly and it's perfect speed runner type stuff but the further it goes it's still good but I, I keep yearning for like going back and just beating my high scores or my fastest times on the earlier levels and it gets a little bit more complex and it felt like they was going we need to do more stuff to sort of maybe sell this game or to give people the longevity with the game they need rather than just being happy with the concise structure of the early stuff but yeah absolutely wonderful rinsed it on rinsing it on the switch um still not finished it not thrown the switch in anger yet but it's yeah it's one of those easy to learn hard to master type games but yeah really really good just a shame about some of the later stuff for me all right yeah has has it got any of the feeling of that uh super magnetic neo because it's that was magnetic and was super <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it it's a bit too much of a coincidence to have such a similar name i don't know i don't i've probably played it yeah it was a dreamcast game so it was you know only about five people probably played it but uh yeah 
I would have been one of those five, I bet. I'm just gonna yeah, I played it. I'm yeah. just going to check my notes. Your notes, uh, the famous notes. Yeah, no, I played it. I never owned it, um, but I played it at mates' houses. And because uh, bizarrely, I, all my friends were, because we were all into games and we were all into games together and egged each other on, we all got Dreamcasts. And, and it kind of gave me the false impression that the Dreamcast was going to do really well. <laughs> <laughs> and you know people only had to play it and then they would be converted and of course they didn't bother you're very disappointing yeah looking at it i think i did plat no um just share it is a platform game but no this is like compared to super magbot yeah, it's night and day okay this is more super meat boy compared to that say mario 64 ah right maybe that's where the name is coming from then yeah yeah it's um yeah i mean again it, you know I, I don't, i'm just looking back i do remember super magnetic neon i do remember enjoying it um, oh, i don't cool. think i loved it but i do remember enjoying it yeah uh, back when i was probably one of the reasons the dreamcast failed because i knew someone who could get me games if you know what i mean ah fair enough <laughs> so you had it chipped was it chipped no oh did i had a disc the disc yeah the disc i had the disc yes the r4 card when it was a disc before it became r4 cards for the ds yep <laughs> which every granny had every granny was a pirate and they did not know it oh god yeah yeah oh dear yeah what you want a ds yeah it's an r4 card with that name off you go <laughs> all the crossword and like reading games you could ever want on one card brain training yeah brain training crosswords sudoku and stop smoking coach or something ah <laughs> uh, well it, that super magbot doesn't sound like something i'd like because i hate anything that's too awkward and hard like meat boy or celeste or the letter v six times or any of that sort of stuff just find it too brutally punishing yeah it is it is it is uh... So the game at its hardest so far doesn't hit Super Meat Boy at its hardest. That I will say. It feels more accessible the later it goes on than Meat Boy does. But I think that is honestly designed because it's a leaderboard game that it needs to be. Yeah. You know, you, you do fail a few times, you will die and you will restart and stuff like that, but not to the point where you do on, say, a Super Meat Boy or Trolls HD or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's good. It is. It's just a really good game. And like Team 17 are doing that great job of getting like a publishing arm around a good mix of indie games. Um, I wouldn't say they're picking up popular indie games. Devolver seem to be the ones behind doing that. They seem to be really picking up the darlings of the indie games. But Team 17 are picking up indie games that otherwise I think might not have got attention if it wasn't a Team 17 published thing. And I think this fits into that. Without it being Team 17, I don't think this would get mentioned or picked up at all. But I hope it does. It deserves an audience. It really does. And I look forward to seeing maybe some proper good gamers playing this good speed runners playing this and showing how well it can be done yeah cool um you had any more or was that just the two for you yeah that was it for like new stuff very very briefly want to big up bravely default 2 which i finally finished um put about nearly 80 hours on it oh, it's just absolutely superb i mean it's not for everybody and it's got its flaws and stuff uh, it's very very grindy in places but if you like old school JRPGs and you like grinding and, you know, you want it to have that early Final Fantasy feel, then it, it can't be beat, really. So, yeah, fantastic experience. Excellent. Yeah, I, 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 I've looked at that a couple of times and I was tempted um, to get that one off you, but then I, I, I don't have the time. I don't think I have the patience for when it gets grindy. Yeah, fair enough. It's, it's, yeah, it's not for me, those sort of games. It's like we found a sort of game that... I probably I, I I will often back away from rather than try, but the other game I've been playing is it literally saw it on a t random tweet last week, and it's called Indigo Seven: The Quest for Love. Or actually, there's no that in it. It's just Indigo Seven: Quest for Love. And what you have here is a puzzle game, and it's very much 
Puyo Puyo Tetris style presentation and progression and stuff like that mixed with uh, there's an old puzzle game called uh, I say old not that old but old enough called Color 7 which kind of got a reimagining on Switch uh, a couple of years ago on a game called Chameleon and basically what it is you get these uh, grid of hexagons two three four yeah hexagons i think they are this grid of them and they're all various different colors and basically you start off in one corner with one color and then you have you go right i change this to this color and it'll match with another hexagon that's touching it and the idea is to basically take over the entire ball by changing colors and matching with other hexagons that are, are touching all the hexagons that are there it makes sense when you're playing it <laughs> yeah and it's like it's, it's a really good interesting thing like color seven done it chameleon done it really well and now this has kind of got this art style of like um like you're this guy in a band and you've got you're trying to find love um and it's got this uh cartoonish presentation in between different levels to try and drive it on uh, but i said that's the kind of the story mode in puyo puyo tetris it's as it's you've got a mixture of 1v1 battles where it's just whoever gets the best score or can clear the entire board the quickest and you get one three uh, like one v one v one v one so four player battles you've got this thing called versus conquest where you start at opposite corners of one board and it's whoever can take most percentage of the board who so who can take that up themselves there's that mode there's certain puzzle modes where you've got to use a set number of colors um there's time mode high score modes all different kinds of things like that just to drive you through the story and it's great variety throughout now before i get to a couple of bits with it the, the only major shame or two major shame, shames with it actually is one i feel that rng has a bit of an effect on versus mode that if you get a duff balls you've got no chance you kind of you're done you're gonna lose points or lose ground on others and that that's unfortunate yeah i mean the difficulty ramps up really early in the game but i'm, I'm torn as to whether i mind that or not the other thing is it needs some accessibility options in terms of colors so what i played at the moment you've got like red orange green and yellow and then there's various other colors that come in later and i really struggled with being able to tell the difference between like red and orange or green and yellow for example it needs some maybe colorblind options in there or visually impaired options in there that will allow someone to see better or different ways of distinguishing between the colors maybe patterns in each one or symbols or something like that just to help a little bit but yeah. we'll see what comes from that if they ever decide to do that but i look back on chameleon that doesn't have it quick search on color seven that doesn't have it so you know they've got to really it's up to the developers of indigo seven if they do want to go down that road i don't blame them if they don't but it would be nice yeah now they could have called this game Pilgrim Pilgrim Color 7 because it feels like a puzzle game that was maybe originally being made under the Scott Pilgrim license. <laughs> How bizarre. Yeah. I mean, you're someone in a band and you're looking for love. Um, and you have got to have battles with other people. Um, uh. And the art style. I mean, if you want to check your notes on Indigo 7 Quest for Love and look at the art style of the characters, I'm not saying it's influenced by, but there's very much a Scott Pilgrim vibe there. Yeah, I can <laughs> see that in my notes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it really does feel to me it either A, at one point had the licence, B, was a pitch to get the licence, or C... The developers or the artists are huge fans of Scott Pilgrim. Um, yeah. Either way, absolutely wonderful game. Even with the colour issues I have doing it, I, I was happy to kind of struggle through and make guesses and, and stuff like that and replay it, going through it all. It's an absolute joy. And it takes a couple of games I'm very aware of and have enjoyed, takes influences from those and, yeah, does something new with them and highly highly recommended again i'm playing this on the switch i believe it will come to pc as well don't know about other platforms 
But unfortunately, it's not a big 3D open world experience. So I doubt Sony will put it on their systems. But yeah, absolutely wonderful. I don't know how big the dev team is or anything like that. But I'm glad that I kind of chanced upon this one and got given a code for it. If anyone's into puzzle games, especially action. Is it, did we call these action puzzlers where they're competitive and stuff like that? Well, you're the master, so I will just go along with you puzzle game then i just call them all puzzle games i know some people don't like the idea of like um super puzzle fighter or tetris being puzzle games they call them different stuff but it's a puzzle game it's a puzzle game who cares yeah um but yeah no really really good um highly highly recommended i've sunk many hours into this already i've not completed it i'm not bored of it yeah superb nice one and that's a good reminder for anyone who who bought the uh the Itch.io Gamer Bundle in aid of Palestine that Mixalumia is in that package. I'm going to give a big shout out to Dave Makes who who came up with Mixalumia, developed it on Twitter and just created something that... Okay, I think the only way we can describe it is Tetris mixed with Lumines on a diagonal. <laughs> and it's just wonderful and play it buy it support him because if we support him enough he might bring it to the switch and i really want him to bring it to the switch please so yeah, yeah check out mixalumia buy it on itch.io buy it on steam buy it for someone else and let's get it going onto consoles because that'll be lovely yes very much deserves it i mean for me to call out a puzzle game as something special yes is uh, is a very big deal because i play about one of them every 10 years so yeah 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 me call, me, me promoting a puzzle games like trump promoting greasy food really in it pretty much yeah yeah a little bit <laughs> disgusting and icky and uh yeah yeah want to step away from that <laughs> oh, well, there, there, there's a surprise you like that precisely <laughs> no it, um, no yeah no it's 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 great it is great and it, it to be able to say talk about it in the same breath as as you know as tetris and as lumens that, that's a real real testament to how good it is so yeah just get it yeah, yeah. Uh, and while we're doing shout outs apparently we had a shout out on a right uh, should we start a beef should we start a beef should we say rival podcast Ooh, yeah let's get our beef going the uvgm podcast um i've not listened to their latest episode but apparently one of the co-hosts on there shouted out our site which is good which means we definitely definitely have at least one listener hey at last definitely yes so i am repaying that give them a listen i do enjoy them again lots of news chat lots of retro games indie games triple a games they cover an entire spectrum not recently any spectrum though but they do. Oh. Ironically enough, though, uh, this is why I want to listen to the latest episode. They have a bit of a discussion on the Vega, I believe. Oh, um, right. So, you know, maybe they do cover the entire spectrum. Indeed. Indeed. But yeah, no, yeah. check them out. The UVGM podcast. Do a search for them. Check them out. Subscribe to them. And maybe they will tell you to subscribe to us as well. <laughs> That's really it on games, um, but I just want to touch on something very briefly, actually. I spoke about of late that um, I've been having more health issues. So again, my other foot um, has got issues because of my diabetes. My vision went again um, a couple of weeks ago and is gradually coming back in. I get some good days, some bad days, which means I tend to hammer games on the days where it's good. But I kind of made a decision that was actually quite tough to make that I didn't want to make last, well, just over a week or so ago to step down from coaching football, which is something I really do enjoy doing. But I decided that if I can't give these kids 100% of my time, 100% dedication and give them what they need to succeed then i'm doing them a disservice and it's not fair on them so i took the decision to step down and that was that was really hard i think it is sort of like it did affect me for a few days and then lucas had a game on sunday just gone and we was there and i couldn't really see what was going on but it was killing me not being able to 
to sort of like shout instructions and encourage the kids and uh, and stuff like that. Especially as the um the new coach is quite a quiet fella, and it was commented upon that you can you don't actually hear him. Um, apparently, I'm always heard. Cause I'm quite booming when I talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I yeah I, I I'm, I'm missing it already, and we like we broke up for the summer anyway. But I'm kind of already going ah. Uh, didn't want to do that but i know i've got to um so i got told by the hospital this tuesday just gone that i've got to stay off my foot otherwise it's not going to heal it's going to get worse and then there's obviously every risk that things could get really really worse and i said yeah i've stepped down because i'm a pacer i can't stand there like if i'm coaching in the training like doing the training I can't help but stand around, you know, walk around and talk to the kids, you know, give them like little individual bits of advice and stuff like that. Yeah. When I'm on the sidelines, I'm up and down the sideline. I, I cannot sit, stand still. I, I, I once got told off in a cup final that was doing because we actually had a technical area. I got told off a little bit for keep coming out of the technical area. I cannot stand still. And they said, you've got to stay off your foot. But yeah, no, that that was a tough one to take. It's very hard to give up something you really do enjoy doing, especially as it's something that coincided with me turning my mental health around as well. But yeah, it's you know, have you ever had to give up anything you love for other benefits? Well, first off, that that is such a shame for you because I know how much sort of happiness you got from that. Yeah. From that training and coaching stuff. Uh so yeah, hopefully there'll be something, some other avenue that you can put that energy into at some point. Well Edith's starting, so maybe a couple of years down the line I can I can do the younger kids. Yeah. Yeah, cover that in the future maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good question about uh, you know, whether I've had to to give up stuff like that. Um, nothing springing to mind. I'm sure there is something, but you know, yeah, uh, not, 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 you had to give up having fun for marriage. <laughs> God, no, um, no, she listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, funnily enough, I mean, one of the good, one of the good things about finding the right person, and this is really going off on a tangent, is the fact that you kind of amplify your interests in the same things. and. Yeah, I always it was really strange. Like when I was a kid, I always loved sort of going places and walking, just walking around them. But obviously, I didn't realise that was the part of it I was enjoying. And then it kind of, when you're a teenager, it's all about just drinking and you know trying to cop off of people, and uh, you all kind of got lost along the way. But then, like when I got together with my now wife, just kind of rediscovered that joy in doing that sort of thing and that led to you know getting into walking and then getting into photography and then nature photography and the rspb and all that sort of stuff that we do so that's kind of the the guy the kind of opposite side of of what you've had to go through really because you found that interest and and that joy in in doing the coaching and unfortunately can't do it anymore so yeah no i don't think i have had anything that i've had to kind of give up for those sorts of reasons but I can imagine how hard it must be when you do have to. Yeah, and uh, you know, on the on the flip side, it's um, you know, you talk about finding the right person, and you said like, lucky you share sort of a lot of interests. The other side of that as well is where, whereas me and Lorraine do share a few interests and stuff like that. She's she's not into games or or anything like that, but she understands that I am, and that are big part of my life and she's never sort of stood in the way of sort of like oh you've got to stop doing that or you know i I want this i want that and you know what's that (laughs) this is what happens when they're in the room with you when you record yeah (laughs) Uh, but no she's very good at sort of like she sort of like understands that's a passion i have and to be fair to her when i start talking about them sometimes she'll she'll kind of like just look at me and nod and just go "Mm, yeah Okay. The glazed look starts coming about. in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm glad for you. But we you know we enjoy going for walks. We enjoy one of one of um ones we like doing is sitting there outside a coffee shop with a coffee, people watching, judging. <laughs> yeah, of course. Everybody does that. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's, yeah, I, I, I think that is a major thing. As you said, when you find the right person, it is going off on a tangent from the original point of giving up stuff you don't like. Um, but when you do find that right person, I still maintain, yes, the kids are a big part of what's positive in my life. But if I didn't have low, I'd be dead now. Yeah. Because... Yeah, yeah, she just pointed out my leg would have fell off at least. Um, but from a mental point of view, I probably would have taken my own life because I'd have had no reason to want to carry on. But I found someone I love and, you know, even though we don't share all the same interests, we share enough and we understand that each other do different things and, you know, it just it keeps us, like, really strong. Um, it's tested at times what relationship isn't. But, yeah, finding someone is... is, is is massively huge. Yeah, I'm really sounding Trump. Massively huge. That's a Trumpism, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bigly. It's bigly. But yeah, so, you know, even though I've given up um, like the coaching and stuff like that, Lowe's been very supportive over it. She's given me enough rope to have myself and she will pull me back in when it gets too much and stuff like that. So yeah, even though I've had to give something up, the plus side is, you know, having, you know, a strong family alongside me. Yeah, I mean, I'm going through some tough stuff with uh, my my wider family because the you know there's some issues with failing health, mm. and it's kind of like the best sort of thing that people can do in that situation, you know, when it's age related, is uh, to to acknowledge it and not pretend it doesn't exist, um, yeah. and then sort of guide their kind of their life and their existence towards the best parts, the parts that they're still able to do. And that sounds like really prescriptive and really kind of like, oh, you should be doing what I'm telling you to. But no, it's not like that at all. It's just you have to be realistic about what you're capable of. And then if you are realistic about that, then you can really enjoy the things that you can still do and also take help and assistance in in the things that you're, you know, uh, either can't do very well or, or edging towards not being able to do at all. And that, that puts a lot of things in perspective. You know, it, it, it makes you grow up very... Well, I mean, I'd like to think I'm fairly grown up at 45. But, um, you know, there's always areas where you can mature. And it's one of those where, you know, it's just... You have to have... <coughs> excuse me. You have to have that selfless care of somebody else, you know, that you don't normally have to. I mean, it's different when you're a parent, again, I think, you know, but I'm not one, so I've not had that kind of selfless care, other than with cats, who are often very easy, much easier to deal with than people. So, yes, now that is another one of kind of like, yeah, the the physical thing can that you enjoy doing can be taken away from you, and, and when it's taken away from somebody who you care about, that can be difficult on on you as well, by extension. Yeah, no, totally, one hundred percent. And again, as we spoke about with depression and anxiety and any kind of like mental health issues um, in the past, if you're physically disabled, you know, something along the lines of you don't have a leg or you know you've lost an arm or even sort of like you're suffering from cancer or something like that, they're very obvious things and people know how to react to those. But when it's a hidden disability whether that be mental or hidden physical disability, such as, you know, uh, chronic tiredness and things like that, people do look at you different. They do look at you with a judgment. And you do that as well because, again, it becomes very selfish. I think it becomes very selfish because a lot of people don't see it. So you have to take that out on someone who does know. And unfortunately, that often ends up being the people closest to you. You kind of got to get over... It's almost the worst saying, but it's almost sometimes right. But you've sometimes just got to get over yourself and suck it up. And I feel that I'm saying that in a in a hypocritical way because I don't always do that myself. But it's yeah, it's one of those things you need to do. But having that person who will give you the rope you need sometimes and show you the love and care that you need, but also be the one who will give you the biggest kick up the arse when you need it is is vital, I think. Yeah, I mean, in all things, balance, really, isn't it? You just have to acknowledge that there's going to be the bad stuff, that sometimes people will be, you know, for want of a better word, arseholes, and you will be as well. And there's parts of you that are, are, are terrible, and there are parts of you that are brilliant, and everybody's like that. Nobody's wholly great and nobody's wholly bad. And um, 
once you acknowledge that, it kind of makes everything a lot easier, I find, you know. Um, so you shouldn't beat yourself up, you personally, I mean, for when you're in bad situations because it's not the summation, it's not the entirety of who you are and, and all human beings uh, go through that. And, I mean, to just end stuff on a positive note from my side, I was walking to work the other day, or walking to the bus stop, and it was, you know, it's early morning and I'm still waking up and I'm not normally grumpy, but I'm at best sort of neutral uh, at that sort of time. I don't, you know, I kind of don't want anything too strong to happen one way or the other, too great or too rubbish. Um, I was walking past some guy who's carrying some shopping and he, he just gave me this massive smile and said, good morning. So I said, good morning back. And he said, oh, I hope you have a wonderful day and just carried on walking. And it was just so fantastic. And I had a great big smile on my face because it was such a lovely thing to have done to a stranger, you know? And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it just everybody has that potential in them. And, and if you could just think that the people who sometimes you see in the street who are being careless or thoughtless, that they're not always like that, that you know, that there is a lot of good in them. And, you know, if we're, if we're all better to one another then that will come out more. And now I'm getting to get out my tambourine and start singing Kumbaya. So, yeah. <laughs> Apart from that one bastard that kept walking in front of me. In, in oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. You can get a slap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it's a very point. I mean, it's kind of, again, a weird disjointed kind of discussion there. went on a few different directions. But sometimes, yeah, it's just a kind of a release of stream of consciousness, I suppose. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, my consciousness is out there. And I'm going to pass over to you to take us out. Sounds good. And that was actually a really good segue. So, yes. <laughs> I might actually use the bumper there. So, I'm going to break. Segway! 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 And there you go. That was the bumper. So, I hope everybody has a good week ahead. Conscious of the fact that there are sort of COVID concerns and stuff like that. So I hope you're all keeping safe and that things aren't getting on top of you. Always feel free to reach out to us. It's something we've not really mentioned for a while, but we're there on the Discord, you know, chat to us, chat to everybody there. It's a great forum for talking about absolutely everything and also mental health, if you want to. A really accepting group, fantastic people. Other than that, follow us on all the socials. And if you want to support us via Patreon or Coffee, go for it. Otherwise, have a great week. Stay safe and stay sane.